Uh, now what? Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now today we are going to dive into the hiring process. Inside the Landscape Business Owners Facebook group, we see people posting all the time about hiring and how difficult it is and you know just getting people to show up and how to, you know, just asking general questions about hiring. And so I thought it was appropriate to bring on today's guest, Carlos Opozo of Team Engine. Now, if you guys recall a few episodes back, we actually did some podcast series on some blog posts that we help write with Team Engine. Team Engine is really, it's a software program that helps you automate the whole hiring process from not only putting in the job descriptions, but putting the ads out there and the whole way through to the point where you actually brought them on and have an onboarding process. So it's a really cool program. But today's episode, we dive into the whole process, again, from the point of looking at your business to find out what you truly need from an employee and how you can actually sell them on your position that you're looking all the way through, like I said, to the actual onboarding process. Hire that person. What steps do they need to do next? So we talk about all that in today's episode. So you do not want to miss it. Just a quick word from our sponsors. The only app every landscaper needs, CompanyCam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem solve with guys in the field, no matter where you are. CompanyCam brings documentation, communication, and liability protection together in one simple, easy-to-use app for you and your entire team. Take unlimited photos and videos, share custom reports, create flawless before and afters, and even communicate and share progress with homeowners with galleries and project timelines, all from your smartphone. Company Cam, the only app every landscaper needs. Check it out at companycam.com million or in your app store. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Busy Busy. Busy Busy is so simple to use and it's the most reliable GPS time tracking app on the market. And the best part is it was built for landscapers. Busy Busy's founder created Busy Busy because he owns multiple construction companies and needed to understand better which projects were making him money and which projects were killing him. Payroll is the highest variable cost in the project, so you better be tracking it. Busy Busy does this better than anyone else. So download Busy Busy today and don't forget to mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast to get three free months. If you want to get the leads you want and turn your current clients into raving fans, then you need to try Send Jim. They've created an exclusive offer just for our listeners. If you sign up today, you can get your first month for just $2. So 
If you haven't already, go to sendjim.io forward slash MDL, where you can get even more exclusive deals just for Million Dollar Landscaper podcast listeners. That's sendjim.io forward slash MDL and take advantage of these awesome deals today. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. I'm super excited to have on Carlos Del Pozo of Team Engine. And the reason why I want to have him on today is because it is hiring season. We are trying to find employees and it's so hard more than ever to really find people and to get them on board and get them up to speed with your business. And this is exactly what Team Engine does. So welcome, Carlos. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. So Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what does Team Engine do exactly? Sure. Uh, so I am a co-founder of Team Engine, and Team Engine is a software. And what we basically do is we help deskless workforces build and power their high-performing teams. And a little bit more specifically, when I say deskless, I mean companies like in the landscaping, uh, green industries, construction, manufacturing, companies where the bulk of the workforce is not in an office behind a desk, but out on a job site, a route, you know, wherever they may be. Those are the companies we focus on. So how long has uh, Team Engine been doing this? Yeah, we started the company uh, at the very beginning of uh, 2018, so January 2018. We finished January of 2018 with our first customer, paying customer, which is exciting. We've been, uh, we've been kind of growing it and evolving it ever since. Now, I think it's awesome that some of the technology you guys use to not only uh, help get the applicants, but just to stay in touch and, and communicate with the applicants because it's more than just yeah. like all about hiring. It's about, yeah. you know, down the line of onboarding and proper sequence mm-hmm. and then wishing them happy birthday even. You can do that too yep. with your software, correct? Yeah, we and what we think about adding value, not just through hiring specifically, but we think about the problem more broadly as like, do I have the team that I need to get the job done. A lot of people, when they ask themselves that question or they answer no to that question, they just think about hiring. They think about just that piece. But the fact is that hiring is just a piece of the overall solution of making sure that you have the team to get the job done. So using the software, I know I mentioned a little bit about earlier about um, uh, you can help with the job applications and, and the beginning mm-hmm. process, the hiring process. Yep. How can Team Engine help do that exactly? Yeah. So if you're looking at this broader problem of you know having the capacity to get the job done and you're going to focus on the hiring component, if you think about the hiring process overall, there's basically you know figuring out what the job is that you need to hire for, going out and getting applicants for it, getting in touch with those applicants, screening them, getting them in for an interview, making a decision. That is actually a pretty complicated, potentially multi-step process that is also happens to be time sensitive. And we just see a, a lot of opportunities for the folks that we talk to who are you know, struggling with getting people. We see a lot of opportunities for many companies to improve across that entire process map from start to finish. So what it comes down to for us is really thinking about that entire process, making it effective by allowing companies to leverage automation to to allow the things that can be automated to be automated uh, so that folks can focus on the stuff that, you know, people should be focusing on. We allow companies to embed the most effective communication method 
for their applicants and for their workforce, which turns out to be texting. We find that just to be way more effective than the alternatives, and we can talk more about that. And then the third component, especially for folks who who may not have a huge HR department, you know, running all these processes, which I many of the companies we work with, that is not the case for them. They have maybe an HR manager, a single HR manager, if they're lucky, or a couple. Embedding the best practices of how to actually run this process into the automation. So it's not just that things are happening, but the right things are happening. I think one thing you mentioned is key with the automation is you don't have time as a as an owner, especially like if you're a smaller landscape company, you don't necessarily have time to think about all the details and all the back end stuff of doing this. So if you can get some company in there to to help you out and some software to help you out and automate it, mm-hmm. that's one less thing you could do. You could be focusing on the selling portion or, or doing the actual interviewing process or whatever. It just mm-hmm. the back end stuff that you don't need to be spending your time on could be done by something as simple as Team Engine. Yeah, absolutely. And the hiring process is a super important one and finding good folks to join your team is critical. Getting them to join your team is not super easy. And that's a place where really, you know, leaders and owners even can really add a lot of value by selling prospective candidates on their company. And so if I had to choose where an owner would be spending their time in this process, that's where I would want them, not rifling through resumes and, you know, calling folks who don't answer the phone and sending emails that don't get replied to. They should be spending their time on the engaged, qualified applicant that's on the phone or in the office Mm -hmm. uh, talking to them. So let's start off. If if a company is looking to hire somebody, what are some of the first few steps that we need to be looking at and and considering doing before we even start hiring? Yeah, I I think the, the one that maybe is sort of obvious that folks tend to start with is what do we need? What do we need in the person for this role? What is this role? You know, what are the responsibilities of this role? What does it look like? You know, that kind of stuff. They describe the role. And I think that that's a fair place to start. But I think that it would also make a lot of sense to you either at the same time or before or shortly thereafter, and shortly is the key, be thinking about why somebody should work for you. Because again, that sale, that marketing to those prospects is is something that a lot of folks overlook. If you think about sales uh, or you think about recruiting and hiring, it has a lot of parallels to sales and marketing. And uh, for many people, if they go out and they start thinking about sales and marketing, they think about their positioning and their messaging and you know how they're going. And maybe they should do more of this. They don't necessarily think about their ideal customer. Whereas when you think about hiring, everybody thinks about their ideal hiring customer. They think about their ideal applicant and that's where they spend all their time, which is important, but uh, you can't neglect the reason that somebody should be joining you and making sure that that reason is compelling so that when you do go out and invest all this time and trying to find somebody and you find these people, you get these applications, they fit the criteria that you're looking for. You are prepared to sell them and, and actually get them to work for you. And you're not losing out because you were entirely focused on what they could do for you and not what you could do for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that has really has changed in the past few years as far as marketing towards that employee, not necessarily marketing towards your customers, but marketing towards yeah. employees. We need to think about it in a different way than what we have in the past. And actually, Carlos and I were talking a little bit before the podcast about this is sometimes people get stuck in the past of what has worked in the past. They think it's going to work now or in the future. And it's not the case anymore. We have to be kind of be changing our mindset on this and looking at things different, correct? Yeah. 
No, I, I completely agree. Um, just because something worked in the past doesn't mean that it works now. And in fact, what we see is that for many folks who experienced or became accustomed to a labor market, that they just took the availability of applicants who were desperate for a job, they just took that for granted. Uh, it can be a pretty rude awakening when you find yourself turning down work because you don't actually have the people to do it because you still have that same philosophy or that same assumption. So, you know, I think in general, it, it helps to be, you know, as in running a business, it helps to be adaptable and, and looking at the data and looking at what's happening and figuring out like where you have an opportunity to do better. And this is an area where I think that's true for a lot of companies is, is how they're approaching this need for the business of having a, enough labor capacity to actually do the job. So now if, you know, the, the employer has now kind of written somewhat of a job description, what they want, they find, you know, what they can provide to that employee. Yeah. What's the next step after that? Yeah, the next step is figuring out where to find them, where to find those employees. These days, you know, job boards are, uh, have become a, a real centerpiece of the labor market. You know, places like uh, Indeed or Craigslist, those kinds of sites. Uh, and they're, they're really effective and, and productive because they have become such a lively or, uh, you know, active markets for both folks looking for jobs and, and folks who have jobs. They're starting to skew much more, are skewing much more, you know, it's much more of a job seekers market, uh, of course, on those places. But there's still an essential component of hiring. But the way that, that I think about looking for folks, again, going back to like a sales and marketing approach is, you want to be getting in front of different types of audiences in different places. You, you know, you don't want to be putting all your eggs in one basket as much as you can, unless you really know that that basket is a good one to be spending your time on and focusing on. But what we find is that often companies, they might focus on one or two. They might spend a lot of time and money potentially on job boards and or they might have like a word of mouth effort of some kind, which in many cases is not really an effort. It's, it's kind of a thing that just happens. And so they take it for granted that is going to happen. But unfortunately, it doesn't scale. Like you can't turn a dial and have that uh, word of mouth really ramp up very easily. So you, if you find yourself like not having enough applicants or resumes to review, it, it can be hard to figure out where to go next. But the way that I think about dividing the market is between active places you can get in front of active job seekers. So those are folks who are actively like looking for a job. They decided they want to switch or get a new job and then passive applicants. And so those are folks who aren't necessarily thinking that that is not their number one priority. But when presented with the right opportunity, they may be motivated by it to make a switch. And so I think you want to make sure that you are getting in front of folks in both of those buckets. And I can talk more about what those might be, but that's a fundamental thing that I think a lot of folks don't really think about is that they don't just want to be get looking for the folks that are needing jobs, but they also probably want to be getting in front of the folks that have jobs for their openings. I agree with you 100% on that, looking at people that already have jobs. And this is where it's nice to be able to know what you can offer those employees. That's where, like you said earlier, yes. writing down what you can offer to them. Because if you have a great culture, great workplace, they may be in a bad situation where they're at. And so if you have something that they can go to and grow at, yep. you can present it that way because you know it. Yeah. And some of the most tenured employees are not necessarily very good at looking for jobs on Indeed. <laughs> so if you know, you're putting all your focus on those active channels, you could miss out on some really good folks. 
one thing I always tell people is like you're out and about and you see somebody, whatever it's at Home Depot, whatever it is, you see somebody's working their butt off and they're working well. Yeah. Go offer them business card. I get people say, ah, we're poaching. Well, you just get, tell them, hey, you know, looks like you're doing a great job here. Here's our business card. If you're looking for a change, want to be outside, yeah. give us a call or, you know, and I've heard people actually making up specific business cards just for that. No, absolutely. And um, that's one of the big buckets of getting in front of the passive applicants is just, you don't want to be doing all this stuff online. Mm-hmm. You want to be doing a lot of this stuff in person, you know, whether it's, you know, folks who you interact with, that you have a like positive customer experience with, or, you know, you have that truck and it's the wrap that you have on it. That's like trying to get customers to use that to try to get mm-hmm. applicants as well, or just even your office, your yard, getting a sign out in front of that. For many folks, I bet some of the folks that you would want to hire are driving past it to go to a different job. It goes beyond just, you know, posting a job and being done. This needs to be Mm -hmm. a multi-channel, multi-basket, multi-bucket strategy of trying to get in front of uh, good folks for your your openings. So is there any other buckets that we didn't mention here that you can share with us? Yeah, so we talked about the sort of like in-person, personal interactions type of piece of it. Another one for getting in front of these passive applicants can be social media. So, you know, using things like Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be to get in front of folks who are not looking for jobs, are not somebody who you might interact with or might interact with your company in some way, but are within like, you know, a relevant geography, like they're they're in your local area and they might be good fits. Um, you know, that's something that things like Facebook or just web marketing are really good for is expanding your audience beyond who is known to you. So that can be a really good strategy. And then the other big one is, you know, sort of alluded to with word of mouth, but employer referrals can be a really good source. But in order to scale it, there has to be an actual like deliberate structured program around it. It can't just be like, oh, you know, every once in a while, somebody comes and says their cousin wants a job that will produce applicants that will produce hires but it's pretty inconsistent and unreliable. So you need to have things like an actual structure to letting your team know that you want referrals, having some kind of incentive for it that is reasonable and focuses on the right thing. So in other words, we generally recommend bonusing, providing like referral bonuses, not for applicants, but for hires that stay. And you need to make it easy for them to provide those referrals. So you have to find any friction in that process and cut it out so that you get as many as possible. Yeah, I can say just from our personal experience, we've had a better success getting referrals from our current team members mm-hmm. rather than like Indeed or anything like that. We do offer a bonus to them if the employees stays for um, 30 days, they get so much money. After 60 days, they get so much money. So we kind of spread it out a little bit so they're not just getting one lump sum and yep. the people bail. But yeah, that's how it worked out really well for us. Yeah, but it's a key thing there is, again, we going back to where we started, which is not just like who I want, but why do they want me? And you're going to struggle to get applicants to follow through and become hires if you don't have a compelling sale for those applicants. You're also going to struggle to get referrals if your existing team members don't feel that the job that they have is compelling enough to share it with somebody else. Or you will, but they will be purely motivated by the financial side of that. And so, you know, one of the things that we sometimes hear is that companies have a referral program, but they actually don't really 
like it because they end up getting a lot of the wrong people. Well, I think it's worth having some introspection about why that might be. And it, it may be that you're motivating people through the money aspect of it and not so much through trying to bring other good people into your company. Well, it, it goes back into having good company culture because if you don't have that built up already, there's no enticement for anybody to come there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Everything kind of feeds off each other and it's a whole thing you have to work on. You have to work on your culture. You have to work on the hiring process, but it's very important. Yeah. And it's not just about getting people to come to your company, but it's about the company that is being projected by your employees when they walk out the door, when they go to the job site. Is it something that they take pride in? Is it something that they enjoy? You know, what is actually like the signal that they're sending off into the universe when they go to a job site? Is it the one that you want? Mm -hmm. uh, it all kind of ties together. It does. One thing that we've suggested to our academy members is making sure you have a careers page on your on your website too. Do you recommend that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely uh, an important piece of the puzzle. Now, I do think that sometimes folks may put a little bit too much trust in it because the thing about the career page is you need to, some way to get people to the career page in the first place. Uh, and so if you don't have a way of attracting them to their career page, then it's just going to be sitting there in isolation. But I think that if you can get them there, it's absolutely essential to have. And it's really good to do things like have like a video to, you know, go beyond just, you know, words and carefully selected images to something that's like gives them more of a sense of what the company is like and the people. But I think that one of the maybe not as clear or obvious benefits of having a careers page that you feel good about is that it forces you to create hiring sales collateral. You have to figure out like the answer to the, you know, why us, like what is this culture like? What are the benefits of it? You know, how do we want to package it and show it to the world? So it has a lot of value, not just in itself as a tool in the process, but as a forcing function to get people to think the right way about hiring. So now we've gone through, you know, we figured out what we want from that person, what they can get from us, yep. where we're going to hire them or where we can find potential employees. Mm -hmm. What's the next step? Yeah, the next step, which we find uh, is the one that many folks stumble on is, you know, what is that process going to look like? You know, having received a resume, how are you going to transform that piece of paper, that digital piece of paper into a person walking through the door who you want there? And I think a lot of people really don't think about that as much. One of the keys there is timeliness, is, is making sure that when you get an applicant that you're taking action on them quickly so that you're doing that before other folks, other companies that they're applying to you. And one of the keys to doing that is, again, part of what I talked about in our solution. We find that text messaging, that text format is the most effective to, to cut through the noise and to actually get a message in front of somebody who you might want to hire. Nobody really picks up calls from numbers they don't recognize anymore, even if they're applying to jobs. And a lot of folks are, you know, not necessarily reading emails who might be, you know, out on a job site. But a text message, even if you're not the most prolific texter, very high confidence that you have a phone that will receive that text and will pop it up uh, for you to dismiss. So it's like you are required almost by the phone to see that text. So even if you don't intend to like carry out a conversation over text, which we strongly recommend that folks do engage, you know, in a personal way over phone and, and in person, of course, you're going to get across like who you are, why you're reaching out, what you want to talk about. 
And so, you know, fortunately, we see a lot of companies just have applicants that die on the vine. Even though they have good applicants that are engaged, qualified, they just sit and their resume sits there and never becomes a person. It's really too bad because it doesn't take that much to get a better outcome with us, folks. I agree with you 100% on the texting. And again, before the show, we, I was talking about this and I said something along the lines of uh, in one of our Facebook groups that I mentioned that we need to be texting our people, like just for sending reminders and say, hey, you have an interview at this time, at this date. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I received back was they want the job. They need to be there. I don't need, I shouldn't have to remind them. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but it's a whole different ball game out there now. We have to think different and act different on this if we want to get those applicants. I mean, yeah. I understand where you're coming from 10 years ago, but that's no longer the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think two of the real benefits of like that kind of interaction that you described, like the interview confirmation, mm-hmm. you know, it, there is a benefit to getting folks there who may otherwise not. But really, I think there's like two other benefits that folks often overlook that are maybe stronger in many ways. And one of those is just making sure that folks like understand what the expectation is. Like, what do you want them to bring? Who are you going to talk to? Is it hard to find your office or, you know, the yard? If so, make it super clear like that they need to turn at the, the stop sign or whatever the case may be. Don't make it a whole like like a special forces obstacle course to figure out how to get to your to your location just to like talk to you. You want to lower the obstacles there to getting a good person. But then the other one of the other big benefits that I think people you know overlook is that unfortunately it's not unusual for folks to no show on some of these you know interviews. We can talk to folks who have ninety percent no shows sometimes, and I, I think that's like a, a real outlier. But you know fifty percent is not super unusual, and it's too much. But when you are proactive about reaching out to somebody in advance of that interview, you can tell by their response or lack thereof whether it's likely that they're actually going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so that allows you to actually figure out how to reallocate your time or the time of somebody else on your team who's also going to be pulled into that conversation so that that doesn't end up as like dead time with no productivity in your day. Yeah, there's benefits to it beyond just getting somebody there that might not otherwise. That's that's not the focus of it. So when they, they turn in the, the resume or fill out an application, whatever you have them do, and you text them back, yep. do you recommend having a like a little meeting with them over the phone or Zoom or something before you even have like a one-on-one interview? I think, you know, again, going back to like a sales and marketing kind of approach to it, I think it all depends on like what your, your funnel looks like. And so if you are just getting a ton of applicants and, you know, you need some way to make sure that you're using your time wisely, I think it makes sense to put more thoughtful kind of filters in the process. And so if that's the case, you may want to run a phone screen to ask some key questions that you find are frequent reasons that you reject folks. One of the things that we recommend is when you reach out to an applicant via text, you put a question in there. And that could be one of those things that you might ask in a phone screen or an interview to disqualify folks. You can kind of get them to go beyond their paper application or resume through that question. You know, hey, you said you have this kind of experience. Can you tell me more about what equipment you've used or you know, things like that? And then have an interview. But if you're in the situation where you don't get a lot of folks, but you need them, you may choose to put less there. You may choose to just have them come straight in and you may want to like be prepared to give them an offer on the spot 
it really depends on where there are obstacles or where there are problems and your hiring process. And it's actually is true that for some people, they're getting too many applicants. And so they need to put more filters or screens in the process. But for many folks, it's that they need to figure out ways to be faster and to cut out the friction. So it really depends on your specific context. Sure. Uh, that makes sense. And I, I've heard that where we need to make it as simple as possible just because we need to get as many people into the funnel, like you said, and, and yeah. uh, eliminating one step, I can definitely see that being beneficial. Yeah. The one thing I would add to that, though, is that if you're in the case where you want to narrow down the pool, make sure that you do have a large pool to narrow down. Because what I do see is that some people, some companies putting put things in there that it's not so much that they want to like narrow down the pool is that they just don't want to like deal with the hiring process. Like Without saying it, they're trying to avoid interviewing people because they just don't enjoy it. So make sure that it really is the right decision for you and that the things that you are using to screen folks are actually things that are relevant to whether the person is a fit for your job or not. For example, I don't see the value of giving uh, somebody like a really elaborate personality test the second after they give you a resume for just an entry-level field job. Maybe if that's a big centerpiece of your philosophy, uh, you can do that, but you should do that at the end when that's like the last thing. But too often we see cases where it seems like folks are putting friction into the process for the purpose of having friction versus for the purpose of finding good folks. Sure. A while back, I remember people say put in like little Easter eggs that you have to put something in there, find something wrong in this wording of the ad or something like that. I think that needs to be gone, get, gotten rid of too, just because it's, yeah. you need to get as many people in there. We don't have time to, people don't yeah. want to mess with that. <laughs> no, no, they don't. And yeah, you might have a great company, but at the point of like having just submitted a resume, it's very hard for me as an applicant to appreciate that. But what I do appreciate is the company next door that got back to me immediately, got me scheduled for an interview, had me come in and, you know, I could get a paycheck there significantly sooner than uh, after I go through your personality test. So now we've got them in and say we're going to do an interview. Do you have any tips on the actual interview process itself? Yeah, again, I think it really depends on the role uh, is, is a big part of it and um, your company. And I think different folks have different styles. My sort of personal preference around the interview experience is to spend less time focusing on my questions and more time focusing on theirs. So I find that I get some of the best learning in interviews out of the questions that other people ask. You know, first, do they ask questions? You know, second, do their questions like indicate like some kind of understanding of the job or of, of this company or any of that kind of stuff? And then what are the questions they ask? Because those are the things that probably are that relate to what's important to them. And so, you know, based on that, how can I get an, a, an appreciation for what is important to them. And, and does that suggest to me that that's going to be a person who's a good fit for the role? So I kind of think about the interview as a flip. It's like, it's not so much, uh, you know, an interview of the candidate as it is an interview for them of me. Also, because that gives me an opportunity to sell them on the role. Hopefully you've done a good job getting to this point. And, and, uh, you know, of course, it depends, like I mentioned, on your funnel and, and how many applicants you get, but hopefully you've got done a good job of getting to this point, having identified that the person that's applying has the bare requirements for your role. They have however much experience they really need to do your job, you know, with whatever equipment or whatever types of, you know, context it might be. 
And so at that point, it should be really just getting an appreciation for them as a person and selling them on why they should take your offer. So I, I have maybe a little bit of a different mindset about interviews from that perspective. Oh, I think it's good. And it's it's a whole, like we've said multiple times here, it's a whole different ballgame. So we're, again, we're, we're selling them the job rather than <laughs> interviewing them. So yeah, it's important. Yeah. And one of the things I would say is just to try different things. So if you have multiple applicants, try, see what works best for you. It's I, I don't think there's an exact like right or wrong thing to do, but you have yeah. to at least try it and figure out what works best for you. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a very personal decision. It, mm-hmm. it really depends on your style. So one thing I will say to all the listeners out there, Team Engine has all kinds of great stuff on their on their blog section. There's all kinds of resources. They have job descriptions on there specifically for landscaping. So guys, check that out. They also have a, a downloadable process map that kind of goes through some of the stuff we spoke about today, correct? Yeah, and, and uh, because we do get the question often, you know, like where should I be looking for folks? We have basically a checklist of how you should think about going through and prioritizing where you look for folks because there are a lot of different places to look and and it takes a different level of time and energy and or learning investment to take advantage of different ones. So uh, we've tried to lay that out in a thoughtful step-by-step way to progress through those different options based off of what kind of results you're seeing. And I personally feel it's so important to to have a step-by-step process set in your business rather than just kind of just, ah, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to call this person back. You Having a step-by-step process is going to help narrow down and find the best employee for that job. And I get, yep. you know, some people are like, ah, I just, I need people. I need bodies. Well, you still need to have a good body in, in place. Otherwise, it's just going to yeah. do harm to your culture and it's going to be not real good for your business profitability-wise. And every time you go through that exercise of figuring out how to do it, if you have a process that people understand and that you yourself understand, it means that you can make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, it's probably not going to be the last time you hire somebody. If so, that you know that may not be a great thing. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna if you're growing and you have a growing business, you're gonna do it again. And so you want to be making it better and better. And it could really turn out to be a competitive advantage mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Just having a process that gets the best people hired before they go somewhere else. So guys, I encourage you go check out Team Engine. Go check out their blog posts, resources. They have tons of stuff available. So Carlos, now you know we've done the interview. We say we've hired the person. We need to have some kind of onboarding process, right? Something way to yeah. some process to put the the employee through. Correct? Yeah. No, you're, the job isn't done when they show up for the first day, because uh, as I'm sure many folks are aware or have, may have experienced, they can always leave, and they often do. So making sure that you put your best foot forward to keep them. Again, thinking about sales and marketing, you want repeat business and you want to retain customers, you want to retain employees too. And so you need to be thoughtful about how you're doing that. Yeah. And we, we recommend having kind of a step-by-step thing. And inside our academy, we actually have a step-by-step process that we put them through. Like kind of going back to what you said, you're texting them yep. where they need to turn to show up for the shop. But yep. what do they need to wear for the first day of the job? You know, What time yep. they need to be there? Where they're going to park? I always tell people, think about whenever you work for somebody else, you're always yeah. nervous the first day. You didn't want to mess up. You want to be here on time. Same thing with these new people coming in. So you need to lay it all out for them. No, absolutely. I think it's really easy as uh, the owner or even like, you know, somebody who's been in the company for more than a month to forget what it's like to not have any context around the way things work, what they should be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, what's expected. And so it's sort of helpful to deconstruct that and, and, you know, try to put yourself as, you know, cliche as it is to in their shoes so you can... Think about like, okay, so I'm waking up today, like, 
to go do my first day of this job. Uh, now what? And thinking about that through like the first 90 days, honestly, because there's a lot that folks don't just learn on the first day or in the first week, but are continuing to learn in the first 30, 60, 90 days and, and year. And so thinking about like what those things are, not only how to get the information across, but how to figure out when it's not being received. Are people not figuring out what they should be learning? Is there a way, again, to improve this process? So not just like having a plan for sharing information or communicating to a new employee, but how to get feedback back from them so that you can be better for the next one is, is really important and often overlooked. So now Team Engine can help with all pretty much all these steps, correct? Yeah, um, we do find that uh, folks often don't have this you know, ramp up process mapped out. They basically fall into three buckets. Um, either they know they should have it and are doing it, but in the course of doing it, it's extremely you know, time consuming and a lot of stuff to keep track of. Oh, yeah, at seven days, I'm gonna ask them this. At 30 days, I'm gonna make sure they have a performance review. At 90 days, I'm gonna make sure they you know, submit their benefits, paperwork, you know, whatever the case may be. The second scenario is that they know they should be doing it, but because it is so cumbersome, they don't. And then the third bucket is they don't know they should be doing it and therefore they don't do it. So we do provide a way for folks to basically automate whatever that process looks like for them. We have a kind of a default best practice um, you know, in the software, but it's something that's totally customizable because every company has you know, different benefits, structures, and, and different ideas about how to run that process potentially. So it's, it's something that we essentially allow companies to put that process on autopilot or communicating with their new employees, but also communicating internally around those key milestones to make sure, you know, if an HR manager or if a supervisor needs to do something also, they also are being kept on track to make sure those key things happen. So with Team Engine, do you have a team on there that can help get this all set up for them, the employer? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just embedded into the software, but we do have folks who can help out we do have a lot of the resources, like you mentioned, on the website, but also, you know, we have folks here who do help with onboarding and getting folks set up to, to make sure that they're successful and, and share some best practices. So, yeah, it's not just a, hey, here's the keys, good luck kind of a situation. It's a, we're happy to ride shotgun. That's so important to have. At least you'll talk to somebody and figure something out, or especially if you get stuck somewhere. So it, it's always great to know. Is there anything else you'd like to share to our listeners today? The two things I would like to share is one, we do offer a free trial for folks, so you can actually try it out if it is something that you know you think maybe I've used to. But again, going back to what you mentioned, we have a lot of resources on on the website of really how to kind of do this stuff yourself because it doesn't always make sense for everybody to in, invest in a solution. But at the end of the day, there's like some pretty tangible, actionable things that folks can do without investing in software. So we want to make sure that's available. And the only other thing that I I would want to encourage folks to do is actually use their workforces as a resource for all this stuff. You know, you shouldn't be, as an owner or leader, trying to, you know, get folks hired. You shouldn't be, like, approaching this in isolation. You should be, you know, figuring out what ideas your team has, where to look for folks. Are they, like, listening to the radio? And so should you think about, like, running a radio ad? Are they, you know, is everybody that you want to be hiring going to, be at a certain event some night and you want to like be there or something like that. You're going to get your best ideas or some, maybe not all the best, but you're going to get some really good ideas from the folks on your team about where to find other good people. Absolutely. And I think that's smart too. You can also ask, you know, why do you like working here? What, you know, and 
that could be the word that you use to advertise to your oh, yeah. potential employee. So take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to get some good messaging. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Carlos. Well, again, I appreciate you being on the show today and appreciate you sharing all this great information. Guys out there listening, you have to start doing these types of things in your hiring process because if you don't, you're just going to be missing out on potential good employees that can really help your business. And it's a whole different ballgame from what it was five, 10 years ago. So we have to be looking at things from a different mindset and figuring out all the steps. And Team Engine can definitely help you make this process way, way smoother by having it kind of automated for you. So thank you, Carlos. No, thanks for having me. I do have a couple of fun questions for you. Want to go through those? Yeah, sure. All right. So what do you consider your greatest achievement? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I feel like it's a great achievement to have uh, become a, a parent. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about having kids. I have a young daughter and another on the way shortly, so we're excited about that. Congratulations. But I, I think also, like maybe professionally, I really look back to my time as a military officer, and I think just having had the privilege of, of leading uh, soldiers, that was an achievement in and of itself, uh, just having had that opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service and congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. If you had to teach a class on one thing, what would you teach? Yeah, going back to the military thing, I, I really enjoy thinking about leadership and like kind of like the study of, of it. And I have had the opportunity to teach it as a military officer in some capacity. And I think that's something that I enjoy. So something around that may be connected to entrepreneurship, because I think those two have like, there's a lot to learn for each from the other. I think that I'd be excited to do something like that. Uh, that's a great one. Actually, I had a, a, one of our academy members reach out the other day. Hey, do you got any books on leadership? So <laughs> it's, it's needed <laughs> out there. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to learn. Yeah. Last one, which talent would you most like to have? I uh, really like uh, fishing and fly fishing particularly. I really enjoy it. I would not say that I have the talent. And I think that if I had the talent, it may make me enjoy it more. So that's probably the <laughs> thing that, that would, you know, if I could snap my finger, that would be the thing that I'd like to have. There you go. All right, Carlos, it's great meeting you with you today. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I look forward to working with you guys more. That's one thing. If you guys go back, we listened, or we had a podcast, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, and we actually did a blog post with Team Engine. We did a whole podcast series on that blog post or a series of blog posts. So I encourage you guys to go back, check those out, listen to those podcasts, go check out their blog posts they have on their website, on Team Engine's website. Tons of great information, guys. It, it's unbelievable how much you guys have on there. So I do appreciate that. I always send people to your website, but... Yeah, thanks so much for that. <laughs> But yes, thank you, Carlos. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to working with you guys some more. Thanks, Scott. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 